The most absurd thing might have been his discussion about there being tons of demand for the Model 3, but the problem is just that the customers don't have enough money. And there's already been a mug made, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's available from the Shorty store. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Tesla Q podcast. I'm recording this on the evening of January 30th, 2019. Tesla has just announced their fourth quarter 2018 earnings and had their conference call earlier this evening. So we're going to talk about that, the high points and things that have been observed on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you probably have already seen all of these, but I'm just going to put them here in podcast form. For posterity. Before we get started with that, there is a Square Cash app link where you can donate money to help keep this podcast going. That's at cash.me slash Tesla Q podcast. That's TSLA Q podcast. Or if you go to the Cash app on your smartphone, search for Tesla Q podcast. No E. Sorry, that only takes debit cards. I do plan to start a Patreon account in the future so that you can contribute to the podcast. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the, the conference call. The big big news item from the call was that Deepak Ahuja is retiring as the CFO of Tesla. So he had worked there for a number of years up through 2015 and then retired at that time and then came back in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. He's being replaced by someone who's about 34 years old, I believe, who has an undergraduate mechanical engineering degree, an MBA from Harvard that he got while he was employed with Tesla, and he's worked in Tesla's finance department for the majority of his career, along with a stint at McKinsey before that. Based on that experience level, there's a pretty strong agreement that he may not be the most well-qualified person to be the CFO of a $50 billion publicly traded corporation. Very strong theme on Tesla Q Twitter is that due to his inexperience, he is likely to be pressured or bullied into possibly signing something that he may have questions about, but due to his lack of seniority and the fact that he's going to be answering directly to someone with $20 billion of net worth and Elon Musk, he might feel just a little bit of pressure, one would think. That news of Deepak retiring caused the share price to move about somewhere in the 10 to $12 range within just a few minutes in the after hours trading and there was a big volume spike with that news as well this piece of news fits in very nicely with the massive number of executive departures that tesla's had over the years paul hootner has been keeping a a good tally of those it's somewhere above 50 now if i'm not mistaken and just within The year 2018, they had two separate chief accounting officers leave. One was Dave Morton, who was there for less than a month. I think his first day was maybe August the 6th or so, right before the funding secured tweet. And less than a month later, he had resigned from his position. And if you remember from December, I believe the 19th or 20th, Aaron Chu was a senior director of investor relations, left Tesla. So in general, they've had a lot of a lot of people in their finance department leave over the years, which I see as a red flag. Many, many other people see as a red flag. Tesla bulls just think that it's the, the course of normal business. So I guess we'll find out who's right in the not too distant future. Moving on to the next point, probably the most outlandish thing from the call 
was that Elon talked about Tesla's demand still being robust even during a recession. If, if I remember right, he said that they would still be able to sell about 500,000 cars per year, even if there's a recession, which I don't know what that's based on, but it seems a bit suspect to me. Actually, that may not have been the most absurd thing <laughs> that he said. The most absurd thing might have been his discussion about there being tons of demand for the Model 3, but the problem is just that the customers don't have enough money. And there's already been a mug made, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's available from the Shorty store. And remember, you got, I guess, just today and tomorrow to get the 15% off if you use the code Q15, that's Q15, at evacuationboy.com. But the, the quote directly from the call is that the demand for the Model 3 is insanely high. The inhibitor is that people don't have the money to buy one. So personally, I would love to have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and be able to afford the gas for it. But financially, it just doesn't make sense. That statement from Elon Musk basically fully ignores a key, key thing that people learn in any economics 101 class. And that is that demand is based on a curve that's dependent on price. Same for supply. Of course, they're is insane Model 3 demand at lower price points. But you can't build it at those lower price points and make a profit, Elon. That's what we've been saying for quite a long time now. Where's the $35,000 Model 3, dude? You can't make it profitably. So, yeah. Uh, enough of that. I, not not too big on ranting usually, but, but that really, really struck me. And again, in the layoff letter, he mentioned the same thing, basically, that they have to get to a point where they can make the Model 3 with less input costs if they have any hope of, of staying sustainably profitable. One thing that was missing from the conference call tonight was anything about a capital raise. Also, the China factory apparently is going to be funded fully by local banks, which we're well aware of that. And during the call, I believe they said that the plan is to have 3,000 cars per week be made by the end of this year, 2019. Based on the images just this week that I've seen posted of that China Gigafactory, it seems unlikely that they'll be able to get to a 3,000 vehicle per week production level by the end of this year, considering ground has barely been broken. Although, as mentioned in the interview with Phoenix uh, from, from last week's episode 12 of the podcast apparently if there's sufficient backing from the chinese government the factory could be built within approximately a year but i still have quite a bit of doubt that they'll get to 3,000 vehicles per week by the end of this year i did miss parts of the call and i haven't read a transcript yet but it didn't seem like there was much discussion about the tesla roadster the truck or the semi the main story seemed to be that they need to get model 3 costs down so that they can sell it at a lower price point to meet that insane demand and then also they would go from that into the model y which allegedly will have about 70 percent common components with the model 3 which should help it be more efficient to build Obviously, they didn't mention anything about the fact that the Model Y will likely steal demand from the Model 3, which Montana Skeptic did mention in the interview in episode 13 from a few days ago. Another another eye-opening or ear-opening part of the call is that they mentioned that reservations are no longer a relevant metric for them. That's, that just seems a bit absurd, especially when you consider that their reservation number was such a prominent part of some of their most recent capital raises. The fact that now they don't even consider it relevant. It's, it's just a bit absurd. I believe I saw that the the number 
the dollar amount for their current reservations is down to 700 something million which we'll get to a little bit later when we talk about cash another another thing that elon mentioned was bringing up the seasonality of the first quarter of the year being being slow for vehicle sales throughout the u.s seemed like a little bit of a preemptive excuse for why their demand has cratered so much he didn't mention that it's been driven largely by the halving of the federal income tax credit, but uh, I wouldn't have expected him to say that, I guess. With the quarter one demand question, it seems that basically all the future hopes are being placed on China and being able to be successful sell- selling vehicles there, which as Montana Skeptic mentioned in the interview the other day, the tariff if nothing changes, is planned to be increased again in the next few months unless there's some kind of trade agreement reached. So the, the tariff issue, I don't think it was addressed very much during the conference call. I, I don't remember exactly, but they did mention in the letter that each individual part of Model 3 production has been shown to be capable of 1,000 Model 3s per day. I note that the wording of that was probably intentionally done to indicate that it was just each individual part of the assembly process at a given time, not the entire assembly process all at, at the same time. So I don't know that, th- I would say that it is unlikely that they have proven that they can have an integrated 1000 Model 3 per day production level. I guess we'll see about that in the future. Tom Randall's model, of course, over the last few weeks has shown that Model 3 production is around 7,000 per week. EV Defender has been observing that. And again, that completely ignores the demand curve point from earlier. Who's going to, they don't, they don't have demand for 7,000 Model 3s per week. So why are they building that many other than the fact that they have the take or pay contract with Panasonic for the 2170 sales. So if they're making the sales, they need to actually have some revenue coming in for those because they have some cost of goods sold going out to Panasonic for those. They did say that they don't plan to use the 2170 sales for the Model S or the Model X. So that was something that I thought they might try to do because of that contract with Panasonic, but apparently it's not the case. My my guess, and this is only a guess on my part, is that the design changes that would be necessary for that would be too costly. And with the way that they've cut R&D costs to the bare bones, I don't think they have the manpower or they don't have the cash to pay the, the people power to do those design changes that would be necessary. Another main point from the call and earnings release is an estimate of the average cash balance throughout quarter four 2018. And that came out to around $1.3 to $1.5 billion. And that, that was estimated based on the interest income that Tesla reported and comparing that to what a person or a company could get if they invested in three-month treasury notes. And it should also be noted that part of that could have been some of the restricted customer deposits, which were over $700 million still. Not sure how much of that exactly would would have been that. I, I don't... With, the cash, with that portion of the cash being restricted, I don't know off the top of my head if it would po- be possible to invest that in treasury notes for a month or a week or two weeks or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe. But $1.5 billion is a lot less than the $3.7 billion that they had at the end of the quarter. So even if it's in the range of 
1.8 to $2 billion on average. The fact that they have $920 million that they're going to owe on March the 1st is not a trivial matter. So with that repayment coming due and with the observed huge decrease in demand in quarter one, do they have a huge cash crunch on their hands? I don't know. Maybe. It, it's possible. And with that, I think I will go to my Twitter bookmarks really quick. So back to the Twitter bookmarks. Ah, there's a short little tweet stream from Polixenes. And it's about the, the GHG credits. So in quarter three, GHG credit revenues were $137 million for Tesla, which was not announced when they initially announced their earnings. And they had $52 million of zero energy vehicle credits in quarter three. So this time they didn't directly announce it, but indirectly they did. So from their release, it said non-GAAP automotive gross margin decreased to 24.7% from 25.5% in the prior quarter due to a $43 million decline in non-ZEV credit revenue and negative impact from Chinese import duties. So from that, you could deduce that the GHG credit revenue was $137 million minus $43 million. So they got $94 million of their revenue in quarter four from GHG credits. So that was approximately two-thirds of their gap profit. So yeah, just keep that in mind when you look at Tesla's profit numbers. Once they start selling in Europe, those credits aren't going to be available to them. So keep that in mind. And with that, I want to keep this episode relatively short. So thanks for listening. Go to the Cash App if you want to donate to make the podcast better and help it continue. Go to the Shorty Store if you want some good shorty merch with uh, shorty air force or ground force or troll force logo or the tesla q podcast mug if you want or the brand new mug with that new quote right off the presses from elon musk tesla shares were down around 293 or four when aftermarket trading closed on january 30th at around 8 p.m so we'll see where it goes from here that's not trading advice or investment advice But with that, we're going to call this episode 14. Bye-bye.